Support for the Calcio Connection podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Friends, Manscaped is taking over the world. They're now available in all of Europe, all of Canada, all of Australia and New Zealand, in addition, of course, to the United States. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. So join the movement for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. So Europe and Australia, guys, are about to get a lot less hairy. That's right, folks. If you live in the EU, you can now purchase Manscaped products. If you live there, you have gone years without using the right tools for the job. Like, I feel so blessed that I have had these tools available to me. You guys now all have it available to you. I used to use, or at least try to use, the same trimmer that I use on my head and on my beard on the peninsula south of the equator and Jerry, as we know, if you're using a piece of equipment that's not made for that particular equipment down below, you could talk about some injuries. Like you, you could talk about some cuts when you don't have the ceramic blade. Things got very ugly for me at one point, Jerry. I was bleeding all over the place before I had manscape. <laughs> oh, bloody day get. <laughs> Pretty bloody, man. I'll tell you, I I like uh, I because it was my balls. Like I thought about calling nine one one because I was like I was really worried because I'm like the last thing I want is to bleed to death from my nutsack. Like I didn't want to be in the newspaper for that, you know. Like I didn't want to I, I didn't want to be on the internet, right? This was around. This must have been like twenty two thousand nine, maybe two thousand ten. I didn't want to like turn up on freaking TMZ or something like this. This guy died from from trying to shave his nutsack. Like I I didn't want that to be me. And so I learned my lesson, man. You can't use that equipment down there. That is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. This is the third generation trimmer that features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery is going to last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. I don't know who's hairy enough to need 90 full minutes, but just in case, you've got that option. Jerry, you might be. I figure you're covered like a like a grizzly bear. You, you might need 90 minutes. I need more than 90 minutes. Freaking one time it took me two days. <laughs> you've got that on almost one full charge from Manscaped. And it's also waterproof. The waterproof technology allows you to groom even in the shower. One of the coolest features that I love on this thing is the LED light. It's like a spotlight. It illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with what they call, this is trademarked, quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient charging dock powered by USB. So if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping. We got a hookup. If you use our code, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with our code CALCHO. It's the word CALCHO, C-A-L-C-I-O. You type in our code word at manscaped.com. You can get 20% off and free shipping with our code CALCHO. 
at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use our code CALCHO and your balls will thank you. What is going on? We are live for another edition of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. And wow, talk about fashionably late in the nick of time. Jerry Mancini, I just hit go live like six seconds before you joined the room. I I told these guys that we got Uncle Sharma on. We've got Daniel Lucci on. I told them I'm going to wait for maybe 30 more seconds for Jerry and then just screw it. We'll go live. So you have impeccable timing, sir. So we got a full panel. We have Uncle Sharma, of course, who makes the best inter videos on the planet. Follow his YouTube channel. We got our guy, Daniel Lucci. Hey, Lucci, who are you writing for these days, man? I see your stories all over. Yeah, I'm kind of all over the place right now. I'm, I'm a free agent, so I'm just, you know, testing my waters all over the place. But uh, a couple blogs and uh, I'll send out tweets later. You guys can follow along. Yeah, and, and for those, uh, I'm sure a lot of the people watching this probably know of Lucci. You've read his work before. You've seen him on this pod or heard him on this pod before. Uh, you know, he supports Juventus, so we're, we're covering a, a couple different bases today. Of course, Sharma and I are holding it down for Inter, who, you know, uh, a couple of hours ago finished up that 3-0 victory over Genoa to, for provisionally at least, because Milan and Roma are playing later, later today, but provisionally they go seven points ahead of Milan, ten points ahead of Juventus, who still do have a game in hand of their own. But Jerry Mancini is with us as well. Jerry, uh, we did do a Lazio review episode yesterday. I will allow you, though, to vent even more on Lazio today if you want to. Tough 2-0 loss to Bologna yesterday. You feeling any better? Same shit, different day. <laughs> Same shit, different day, man. I, I don't know. I, I the, the more I think about this game yesterday, it's just all these, all these Italian managers are all stubborn, man. All of them. They're all fucking stubborn. Straight up, man. The, the word is squad rotation. I hate, I hate when I have to hear Lazio has no depth, man. I'm just thinking about it so much. And, yeah, you can say you, you don't have depth when you're playing the top seven, eight teams. That's fine. And you have to rely on your your key guys, game in and game out. But when you're playing the mid-table to lower-table teams, there's no excuse why guys like Immobile shouldn't be resting in certain games. And if you lose, you lose. But you got to look at the, the long-term effect. You lost today, but... The next nine games, you're not having Immobile hurt. You're not having him tired, fatigue. And that's not just Lazio. There's a, a lot of teams in this boat. I'm pretty sure maybe Juventus will probably be in the same boat if they had a full squad. Um, Inter has shown so many times not to rotate their squad and look what it's done to them. They'd probably still be in another competition right now had they decided to use Ericsson in the Champions League and, and rotate him properly and not just elect to keep him out of 20 games but that that that's the uh the downfall i see with these italian managers that just and i and i say italian managers because that's where i see it the most in the city yeah yeah probably you know i uh, i wanted to you know before we get on to a number of different directions you know i wanted to to start fresh with the review of inter's 3-0 win over genoa and i've i've got to pick uncle sharma's brain on some of these things and i I always get so impressed because every time a, an Inter match finishes, I log on to my YouTube like 20, 25 minutes later after the final whistle 
and he's already got his post-match reaction up. I, I don't think there's any quicker post, and, and it's professional stuff too. It's not like he's just going on there talking shit. Like it's a professional breakdown. I don't know of any other channel who posts uh, post post-match breakdowns more quickly than Sharma does. Uh, so heading into this match against Genoa, I, I was worried a bit. You know, Genoa, of course, can can be a side that can give top sides problems, you know, not too long removed from a victory over Napoli. And what I was really afraid of was that it might have been an Udinese type of match where they can just really sit deep and and make it hard for Inter to find any shooting lanes, keep 11 men behind the ball. So that's why, and obviously every team wants to score quickly, of course, but to get the opening goal 33 seconds into the match was Barella played a nice ball, then a 1-2 between Lukaku and Lautaro, and Lukaku actually finished on the right foot this time, not with the left foot, which we don't see that as often. Uh, that certainly probably threw the defender a little bit off of balance, maybe expecting him to go back to the left foot. But, you know, Sharma, to get the goal 33 seconds into the match, it's always great to score early, but especially for a game like this, I thought that was absolutely critical because after Inter score in the first minute, Genoa can't just sit back and absorb the pressure. They had to open things up a little bit to try and chase because they're trying to get at least one point out of that game. So I thought that was key. And, you know, Genoa were probably a bit fortunate to be down 1-0 at halftime because Inter had a ton more opportunities in that first half, just had some poor finishing. I mean, Lautaro, uh, Darmian had, a, had an opportunity where he tried to chip the keeper and put it wide. Uh, Inter really should have done more in that first half than they did. So, you know, one nil up at halftime. Were you sweating a little bit? No, I wasn't actually. This is this is one of those times where this you can see the difference between this Inter team and other Inter teams. As you said, the mentality was right from the get go. It wasn't you know lethargic. You know, those little early kickoffs sometimes can be you know the pasta still in their bellies and they can be a bit you know slow off the mark, but. No, it was so impressive. They were just at it straight from the from the first moment. You know, as you said, Lukaku, killer instinct straight away. First shot, one goal. Um, it was so good to see. And you, Conte, you can just hear him. Like you know, now it's so nice to just hear. You know, Conte at the beginning of the season, he was he sounded a little bit off. You know, he was not as vocal, but now he's there. You know, you, you couldn't even tell that. You know, we're on a good run of games that the way he was shouting on the on the sidelines. You know every time to press them to you know go attack them you know it was so it was so good to see that that was one thing i didn't didn't want any complacency and i didn't see any complacency yes probably we could have got maybe another goal before half time and you know to make it a little bit less uh, sticky but you know genoa didn't create anything you know three shots i think they had the whole match into 23 shots you know there was not there was not one moment of you know worry in the whole match and handanovic you know, the guy could have pulled up, you know, uh, a chair and just be just be watching from the side because he had nothing to do. Yeah, in fact, I was looking post-match at the stats and it it says uh, Genoa had two shots on goal. I, I honestly can't remember Handanovic really doing anything. I mean, sometimes, sometimes what counts as a shot on goal doesn't necessarily mean it, it's a great opportunity. You know, something else I wanted to, uh, to get your thought on before we bring Jerry and Lucci into the conversation you know, Sharma, since we last had you on, may have been a month or so ago, uh, things only continue to get better for Christian Eriksen. Um, you know, not necessarily the man of the match today. I think that was certainly Lukaku, but Ella was also very good. Um, Perisic again, Darmian, but Eriksen continues to put in these balanced professional performances. And, you know, he's only looking more and more comfortable since Conte started using him in a deeper role. 
You know, as we've talked about on this pod, not only on the pitch does he look more comfortable, but he's starting to speak more Italian, he's smiling, <laughs> which is I, I never saw him smile in an Inter shirt until, you know, the past four or five weeks. So what have you seen as far as him sharing the midfield with Brozovic and Barella? Because a big thing for me, Sharma, was, you know, prior to, you know, the January transfer window when we thought there's a really good chance Erickson's going to move and Inter trying to offload him. One of the things I can always remember saying was that he and Brozovic just couldn't really share a pitch, that it was like oil oil and vinegar, like they couldn't really mix and gel together. So what has changed in your mind as far as Brozovic and Erickson not only being able to share the pitch, but actually working well together? Well, if, if you tell me that Ericsson is doing you know, on the ball, I don't see much difference at all with Ericsson. You know, I, you know, I make com- those little compilations that I post on Twitter sometimes. You can go rewatch a lot of Ericsson performances. There's literally not that much difference in what he's doing on the ball right now. There's Obviously, he's picking up different positions now on that left centre mid position and he goes, you know, when Brozovic is uh, marked, he goes and goes get, get the ball from the defenders or Handanovic. That's the little you know, tactical tweak, but everything, all the difference has to be what he's doing off the ball. And that's that. That's what Conte must be happy about with Ericsson now, you know, running wise today, he was, you know, once again, he was the top runner in the team, you know, because he had 90 minutes. Usually he doesn't get 90 minutes, but I'm, I'm pretty sure if he had, if he, if he would get 90 minutes most of the time, he would be up there with Brozovic and Barella because he, even even before he used to be running, but as Conte said, it's the way he's running now that's the difference. So he must be putting more intensity in his running or picking up. You know, the, the marking must be better off the ball. There must be something that he's doing off the ball now that Conte is happy with. Because on the ball, still he still doesn't have any assists this season. He still doesn't have a goal from open play. You know, he only has that goal from the um, the Milan derby. You know, when he scored that free kick. So. On the ball, I'm still looking for improvements in, in, the, in that final third from Ericsson. But off the ball, yeah, as you said, you know, he's so integrated now. You can see he's smiling. The hair, the hair is coming back as well. You know, <laughs> that meme that was going around when he was subbed on against Bologna that went viral when he looked like, you know, he was, you know, he looked like he was depressed at Inter, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you couldn't blame him. But now, you know, he's joking with his uh, with his teammates. You know, he's high fiving Conte, hugging Conte when he's coming off. Yeah. I have I've never seen a, a turnaround like this. this. This is this is even better than the Brozovic turnaround and the Spalletti because this is shout. proper U-turn. Yeah, no, that's a great shout. Right before you said that, I was about to say the closest thing I've seen was Brozovic three years ago under Spalletti. But you're right. I think that this is even this is even greater than that. So yeah, you know, I mentioned Lukaku opening the scoring in the first minute, 33 seconds into the match. Uh, Inter had just the one nil lead at halftime. You know, I'm always, I always feel a little bit uneasy when you talk about missing scoring chances and Genoa were a bit more energetic to start the second half, but you know, Inter were able to get the goal at the 69th minute to make it two nil to make me breathe a little bit easier, put my feet up, exhale. And it was Lukaku uh, putting a, an assist uh, on a silver platter for Matteo Darmian who finished it calmly to make it two nil. And then uh, the third and final goal was initially uh, ruled offside, but then the VAR review showed that Lukaku was onside. His initial effort was batted away by Perin, and then Alexis Sanchez headed in a rebound after it touched the defender as well. So it turned out that that goal did count, and it was, and and I thought it was right that Sharma pointed this out in his post-match video. The goal scorers today for Inter, it was the Manchester United crew. It was Lukaku, it was Darmian, and it was Alexis all scoring, so... 
Grazie United for, for sending us these players. Uh, Jerry, I, I wanted uh, your view on the match today as, uh, you know, and we were we were chatting. We chat a lot on WhatsApp. We're in a couple of different cultural groups together. And, and, you know, I was a little bit a little bit uneasy, you know, coming off of really good performances by Inter against Lazio and then in the Milan Derby. Now, there's really no excuse for letdown games for Inter because they're not playing in Europe midweek. So they need to treat every every Serie A match needs to be treated like a cup final. But you still always worry going up against a mid-table club. Could you be caught a little bit complacent? They weren't complacent today. What was your view on the game? I tweeted out that within the first 30 seconds when they scored, the game was over. And that was basically what happened. The game was over. I don't remember. The, the announcer said it perfect. All of Genoa's chances were from outside the box. They never really attacked the goal area. I don't recall an actual instance where Genoa was able to get a quality chance within range and test Handanovic. A lot of their shots were from like long range and quality shots. Don't don't get me wrong. That's what they had to get on net though. And conceding that first goal basically took away how Genoa plays, playing that that very low having that low block and trying to play off the counter attack if they can or trying to take advantage of inter's mistakes if there were any which there were a few in the first half i thought there were there, at times there were some episodes where they kind of conceded the, the ball over but overall inter just looks really dominant um you're seeing the quality of their bench come on and you see, like Sanchez come in, come in and, and make a difference. Um, the, the the fact that Hakimi didn't play today, he could have came on the off the bench if he had been available. You have Ashley Young that can play as well. Who I forgot that even exists on the team. I know a lot of people play don't. at one point. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he can I, still play. You know what? You know what? Maybe 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 not. Maybe not ninety minutes, but he can give you fifteen minutes off the bench. You know what I mean? Like these are you, you don't like him, Sharma, but when you have a midweek hold on, when you got a midweek game next week and then you gotta play another three days later, a guy like that comes in to help you take away some minutes and allow players to rest. But That's they don't have that problem, so it's, it doesn't matter. Just leave them on the bench. Ooh. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a midweek round coming up though, right? And so yeah, you're, you're yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't think that's what he was referring to. I, I just don't agree any time to play all your players the same, like three games in nine days or eight days. I saw it with Lazio. It can happen with Inter. You, you, if you have the ability to to rotate your squad and use other players when needed, I, I just think you should do that. Um, the only thing I don't want it, wouldn't change if, if for me for Inter is that back line because the Vrij, uh, Skriniar, and uh, Bastoni is is locked in, and anybody who thinks that. Screenyard is not a good player. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna say names, but <laughs> I'm not gonna say names. But I don't agree. I I, I love the certain play, the certain person, and, and everybody's opinionated. Everyone has their own ideas. I I just think that Screenyard is probably one of the best defenders this season, and I give two reasons why. One, he's adapted to a back three now. He played in a back four, can now play in a back three. He's a versatile player, can switch off. If if Inter decides to go to a back four for five games in a row, it's suitable to him. And you have a player that can can just adapt differently. And secondly, this guy here has really 
I like the way he can advance the ball forward. Like he moves it with stride. Like he shows no nervous. He doesn't look like a player who's nervous. Every game, he just looks more confident on the ball. And even within the goal area, I think that offset pieces, he's so effective. And and we saw that against Roma where he scored that key goal with like four minutes remaining. And you know what? Any player who's able to accept that he didn't have a great year and put that behind him and then the next year can adapt and become a better player, to me, that, that's a player you want in the locker room. And lastly, Barella. Wow. Wow, man. Like, I thought, again, impressive. Like, I always say that Savage is the best midfielder, and then I see Barella play, and it's like, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> like fuck. I, I don't know, man. Like, it, 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 then he makes me think twice. Is Malinkovic Savage really the best midfielder in Serie A? Like, I would take either one, bro. I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain too much. I, I don't think Inter is, I don't think Inter would trade Barella. I don't necessarily think Lazio would trade Savage either. I think both clubs are pretty happy. Uh, well, Rabio, man, Rabio, Rabio is the best midfielder. I'm not Rabio. gonna speak. <laughs> oh, and and on that note, I want to bring I want to bring Lucci in. And listen, I know that uh, Lucci is a frustrated Juventino. I'm not going to feel so bad for the guy because you, you've enjoyed uh, nine straight Scudetti, and you're not. And I'm also I'm not going to say that you guys are completely out of it either. I'm not going to be that guy who who buries Juventus with all the talent that they have. Uh, so uh, that, that that's not going to be my shtick here today. Uh, obviously, it's not looking great at the moment. You know, one-one draw yesterday with Verona. We'll get to that, but uh, Lucci, what what was your view on the Inter match this morning? Yeah, Genoa has been uh, better as of recent, but you know they just couldn't compete with with the amount of you know the talent Inter has. They're just running everything so smoothly right now. Lukaku is un, unstoppable. Um, you know, good thing I have him in my fantasy team. He's he's been great. Um, but uh, yeah, Genoa they they just didn't look like in sync going forward. I don't think. You know, they had a couple shots on target, but nothing that would scare you guys. Um, uh, Marco Piaccia, the guy on loan from Juve, was practically invisible the whole game. I, like, he didn't do nothing. Um, but it w- I, I kind of expected Inter to, to take this one, you know, pretty, pretty easily. Um, Genoa is, you know, they're above the relegation zone, and that's, I guess that's where they should be, and, and then nothing more. And, you know, that's probably where they'll, they'll end up finishing. And and Sharma, you pointed out, I think, uh, on your channel, uh, Genoa had a lot of squad rotation today, and it's uh, probably because they have the Genoa Derby coming up. So they, it, it looks as though they uh, they prioritized that match, probably saying, "Hey, that's for us. That's the bigger match. It's the more winnable affair." So with their squad today, now they they did bring on Pondev around the hour mark, which scared me to death because Inter only had the one 0 lead at that point. I'm thinking, oh God, Goran Pondev is going to come on and score twice. It didn't work out that way, but they they actually Genoa strategized more for their derby coming up than for this game, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the the biggest game of their season for Sampdoria and for Genoa. Um, you know, so they're both you know mid table now, so I guess they're they're trying to finish above each other or see who can finish above each other. So makes sense for them. Uh, they they pretty much gifted the win to us, I think, with their lineup because that was not the strongest lineup at all. So l- let me start uh, w- with you, Sharma. Um, I I now I, I don't uh, I'm not going to get in the business of of um, predicting Scudetti because I'm a huge mush. I'm just I'm gonna, <laughs> I feel pretty good today. But I mean, how how important was 
not only uh, the victory today uh, for Inter, Juventus dropping points yesterday. Um, for those watching live, you obviously know where we're doing this before the Milan Roma match, which is going to have a lot to say about the Scudetto race. So we don't we don't know how that's going to pan out. Um, if if Roma can do Inter a favor with a victory or a draw, that would go a long way. But uh, h- how are you feeling, Sharma, right now about Inter's position and the Scudetto race? Yeah, man, great. <laughs> you know, seven points clear of Milan right now. Obviously, waiting on Roma, Daya Roma. Hopefully, they they come through, do something, even though they have a lot of injuries at the moment. But yeah, ten points clear of Juve mainly. That's the I'm still saying Juve are the main, you know, main rivals, the main challengers. So nice little gap, but not a. Uh, I'm not printing out the Scudetto shirt yet. I'm not, you know, going on the Inter store yet to print out the Scudetto 19 shirt. You know, still lots of games to play. I think is it, is it 14 games still to play? Something like uh, that. Yeah, I think this was match day 24. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so plenty of plenty of games, man. Plenty of points still to that can be lost, that can be won. So, but yeah, in terms of what we did today, mentality-wise, you know, going out there, getting the job done, you're not gonna get gifted three points. So you have to go out there and earn them. So, very very happy. Just need to continue doing this, not dropping, not any, not underestimating any teams. You know, not rotating too much. Yeah, so. I'm confident, I'm confident, but I think I'm going to say, I'm going to be, after the Atalanta match, I'm going to be whether, you know, we can actually win this, go out and win this. So if we win against Atalanta, I'll be more confident to say that, yes, Inter going to win the Scudetto. Yeah, and that's going to be a huge test. I mean, uh, Atalanta, you know, not not the most consistent team in Europe, but when they're firing on all cylinders, they are frightening. Right, as we know, like if, if you get good Atalanta, there's almost nothing anyone can do. And it's very unfortunate. Like they, they had their uh their their first leg with Real Madrid this past week. It's really unfortunate uh Freuler sending off at the seventeenth minute because that completely changed the complexion of that match. I thought they would have won that match if not for that very harsh, harsh red card. And you know, if the best Atalanta shows up, you can be in trouble. Uh, you know, so Jerry, I, w- I want uh, your take and Lucci's take on the Scudetto race. We'll get Jerry's first because then when we get to Lucci, I want to use that to segue on Juventus. So what do you think, Jerry, about the Scudetto race as it stands? It's Inter. Uh, I said it today. I said it's Inter's to lose now. It's Inter versus Inter. That's that's how you you, you have to sum it up. Um, how many p- points is Juventus back? I lost count. I, right I, now, ten. They ten. do have a game in hand, so they still I mean, have they still have the second Napoli match. Means shit to me. You need that means you need Inter to you need Juventus to win four matches, and you need basically Inter to lose three or four matches. That's that's a very hard task. Uh, I'm sorry, they've already played Lazio, who they've beaten. Um, they've beaten uh, Milan. Mm-hmm. They, they still have Roma, but Roma doesn't count. They can't be the top seven teams, so they're out of the equation. Roma always draws with Inter, though. Like, I've already penciled that in as a 2-2 draw. That, that, that's two points lost for sure, always. I, I, I just don't – here, and then here's the other equation I said. Eriksson, Rosevich, and um, Barella. That's, that's the equation of why Inter is going to win the Scudetto now. Because Ericsson is being used and Gallardini is not being used. Like, like it's 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 that simple. I, I like Gallardini because I like the way he, he hustles and how hard he works. But when you actually see how Ericsson now is being used properly and how he complements that midfield, it's one of the best midfields in Serie A. Um, 
probably even I'll even say probably even better than Lazio's now because they have three quality midfielders. Leva is on a decline, so you got three quality midfielders versus two. I, I I was watching the game yesterday and they were saying that two. I think it was either I think on Tuesday in the Champions League game or something like that they were comparing Inter's midfield to Lazio's midfield, and those are like the two most formidable midfields probably in Serie A if you look overall, but. I think that Inter is just like that midfield is too hard to break down, and the only way I can see Inter losing it is if they they go Pazza Inter and all of a sudden just decide to like concede it. Look, look, look! You got Perisic playing as a left wing back who has looked amazing this year. I thought he was great today. Come on, like give Conte gets shit on because he, he's out of the Coppa Italia, which a no one gives a fuck about personally like that's just how, how i see it and b the champions league was never an easy task with that kind of group they were in that was a group of that of four quality teams in there okay the scudetto was always the goal the first two seasons that was the goal they, they said it plain out so i don't see what the issue is here how conte is not a good manager if he was a good manager he would have won a, a trophy he would have won this it doesn't just happen overnight he needs to build his philosophy, his identity, get his players to actually play a certain way, and you're starting to see this now in the second season. Yeah. I just, you, you got Conte playing his style and brand, and I think it was on Nima's uh, podcast where when he he said a good point when when Conte doesn't have the resources given to him, and his back is against the wall. This is when you actually see the best Conte, and that is a good point that Nima actually said. When when you give too much to Conte, I think he he overthinks it, and he starts to think too much. Now with his back against the wall, and 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 how Inter now is in a situation where they don't have the money to buy players, and to to be more flexible. Now you see Inter. Okay, well Conte now has to think. Okay, I have Erickson on the bench. I need to start using him, or else it's not going to work. So. The fact that Conte is trying to be more flexible, more uh, open on his uh, decision making is is really going to help them down the down the road. I think you make a great point. It's like it's forced continuity, right? Because you know, I'm sure that Conte in the summer wanted more players to be brought in, which probably would have meant more sales in January. He wanted a lot more players brought in. Um, you know, they didn't make any incoming moves in January, only nine Golan on loan outgoing. Like, I, I think about if if Inter maybe had had, you know, uh, a more open financial book back in the summer, they they might have actually sent Skriniar to Spurs, you know, and, and brought in some replacement, Milenkovic maybe, uh, and that wouldn't have given Skriniar the opportunity to thrive the way that he's been thriving. They certainly would have you know, shipped out uh, Erickson in January, which couldn't, wouldn't have given him the opportunity to thrive the way that he is. So it's almost as if being forced to not have so many incomings and outgoings and so many moving parts has actually led to the players that he had uh, having more time together, more time to build continuity, and it's worked out. And, you know, another good point that our, our guy uh, Carlo Garganese makes is that Antonio Conte is the type of manager that you give him one match a week Right. You take and, and I'm not saying I don't want to be in Europe. I would much prefer 
uh, if Inter were, you know, competing in the round of 16 in Champions League, you know, getting humiliated and bounced out of the group, fourth place, not even Europa League, it, it's it's embarrassing. I didn't want that. But the silver lining is Conte is the type of manager that you give him a full week to prepare for matches without the distractions in Europe. And the guy is absolutely lethal. This is when he thrives most. Uh, Mr. Lucci. So um, your, your take, and, and and we'll use this to kind of segue into Juventus's uh, match yesterday, uh, 1-1 against Verona, and, and Verona obviously give a, a tough time to a lot of teams, but your take on the Scudetto race right now. Sharma said it, I agree with it, that I consider Juventus even more so than Milan to be Inter's chief rival still for the Scudetto at this point because they just so much more talent and potential i think milan no disrespect they were punching above their weight for a long mm-hmm. time so how do you feel about the scudetto race at this moment yeah i'm with jerry I, th- I think it's over um you know 10 points with a game in hand might not seem like a lot but the way juve have been playing it's just not consistent enough on on all levels uh, milan as well we've seen them kind of like you said die down or die off a little bit uh, maybe because of you know they're playing europa league they got the mid midway uh midweek games but um I think it's Inter's to lose. Uh, like we, like you mentioned, and Carlo mentioned, Conte's at his best when he has a full week to prepare. He has, you know, his full healthy team ready to go uh, a week in, you know, a week later. And uh, yeah, like Jerry said, unless Inter start dropping points left, right, and center, which I at this rate, the way they're clicking, I just don't see it happening. Um, at my my main concern now for Juve is is trying to finish top three. I, like we said, Atalanta. When you get a good Atalanta, they're they're hard to stop. You know they can score goals at will. Uh, we saw against Napoli, I believe it was last weekend or two weekends ago when when they put in three or four. Um, so you know that's always a tough concern. Roma, yeah, they can't play against the top teams, but somehow they're always in the top five. They're always there, you know, pushing for some points. Um, and it'll come down to how Milan finished the season. Um, you know, they dropped Romagnoli for the game today, from what I've heard. And uh, that's a big, big statement, dropping your captain for a, a big match, you know, for, for top three finishings, right? Um, so, yeah, our, our in regards to Juve's game yesterday, it just wasn't good enough. Uh, yes, we expect Verona, you know, they've they've put out some decent performances under Juric this season, uh, beating Napoli, um, you know, stealing some points from other top teams. But they just, you know, when Juve went up one nothing, they just kind of sat in the middle, passed the ball back and forth and, and tried to, they didn't even kill it off with, you know, great intent. They just looked sloppy and lazy. And, um, you know, we've seen that far too many times this year. So I'm really not, um, and I said this from, you know, a few months now, I just don't see them coming anywhere close to Inter. Um, finishing top three, top four was is hopefully the goal and, and a realistic goal at this point. Um, if it's anything worse than that, uh, there's going to be. I would think there's going to be a lot more changes than than expected. Do you, Do you feel like uh, lately there's just been a, an over reliance on Cristiano Ronaldo and his magic? And and I have obviously they've gotten some big moments as well from Chiesa. Mm-hmm. I mean the goal the goal that he scored to get that away goal uh, was huge in Champions League. I mean that that gives Juventus uh, an absolute fighting chance, if not the advantage, to be able to pass through from the round of 16, but uh, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling it from Kulusevsky. Has he just been moved around too much? Uh, what, what, what's kind of your take on the attack and Morata has dropped off recently. Yeah. Morata has been able, you know, hasn't been able to score and he hasn't been able to stay fit for whatever his issue is. I think it's now it's more um, flu like symptoms or whatever. Kulusevsky is again, 
Uh, as much as I like the kid and think he has potential, you're, you're expecting a 20-year-old to play out of position, you know, as a striker, which he's not known to be, which is another issue. Um, and, and like you mentioned, the, the, the reliance on Ronaldo, um, I get it because of his name, because who he is. He loves to score. He loves to win. But he's just not that player anymore. And I've been saying this for quite a while now. You can't rely on someone um, like him as, as much as a great player he is, one of the best in the world, you know, ever. Um, he's just he, he doesn't have that killer instinct anymore. He can't take on you know three four guys go you know run half of the pitch and and, and bury one. You know he's he's still taking free kicks from thirty five yards out and hitting a wall. And it's just like it at that point that's when it gets frustrating because uh, you have some decent players that can take free kicks and and you know at least give you a fighting chance. It just seems like a wasted chance. And um, you know he wasn't terrible yesterday, but he also he hasn't been the Ronaldo that um, many fans are used to seeing, um, you know, in previous years at Real or even his first two years at Juve. So um, I think it might be time to move on. And I know you guys, uh, I've said this a few times recently. Yeah. And and talk about that a a little bit more, because I know you've been tweeting about that today and I I completely agree. And and this was, uh, you know, obviously when Ronaldo's first signed, you know, three summers ago, people were saying this more for banter reasons, like, oh, you're spending so much money on one player, this is going to bite you in the ass. But, um, you know, obviously, two Scudetti for Ronaldo, but haven't made the sort of advancements in Europe that you would expect, because he, Juventus could have kept winning Scudetti the last couple of years without him. Yeah. He was brought in to be winning Champions League, and, and the results from that regard have not been there. And, you know, obviously no one predicted a pandemic and the financial strains that would come with that. But, you know, his his immense wages uh, make it even harder, you know, mm-hmm. to add payroll and, and to make moves. So, uh, you know, I, I, obviously he's he's sold a lot of shirts and he's he's packed up stadiums for, you know, the times when fans were allowed to go to stadiums before COVID-19. So I, I'm sure that there have been plenty of, advan- uh, of advantages brand-wise having Ronaldo these past three seasons. But from a footballing standpoint, it's not produced the results. So, I mean, Lucci, do you think that, um, parting ways as soon as possible uh, is probably the best thing for all parties because, you know, Ronaldo is going to end up on some other giant somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, some other team, you know, competing for Champions League. So he's going to end up on, you know, another big club. And for Juventus, you can get all those wages on the books and actually spend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as as much as you want Ronaldo in your team, you have to question, is it worth paying, you know, one player $60 million a, a season to, to be on the team and and perform well, but not perform as what you're ex- you were expecting when you first joined, right? Um, you know, you can blame Pirlo, you can blame the players, you can blame Ronaldo, but at the end of the day, it's the management who's made these signings. And, you know, of course, you've botched a few, you know, trying to save money on free transfers, and we've seen how some of those have turned out. And um, it just doesn't make sense to me to pay one player that much. As much as you want him in your team, you just you can't afford to pay him that much. And then you know you're letting the other positions in the team kind of fall off, and you know just filling them with with what you can afford. Um, you'll definitely get a more well-rounded team with um, you know with with him off the books. Unfortunately, um, I think I think that's something they really need to consider. Um, as soon as possible. I know. I know. A lot of people are probably not going to want to hear that, but it's a financial problem, and and it needs to be dealt with. Just on that um, thing about over reliance on Ronaldo, I just um, <clears throat> had a stat from Who Scored where it shows the percentage of contribution from each player for each team. 
Ronaldo has 42% of goal contributions for for Juventus, which is the highest in the league, or after João Pedro for Cagliari, who's got 46. But, you know, Lukaku's got 30% for Inter. Immobile 37, Ibrahimovic 31. So, yeah, Ronaldo's quite high with the 42%. So, Juve really, really relying on Ronaldo's goals. And that's and that's the problem. I feel like they they're, they're passing to Ronaldo in hopes that he's just going to be able to create something out of nothing. Like you need some creative cre- creativity in the middle, um, behind him, around him, and we've seen it at times with Chiesa. You know, like we've said, but uh, you can't just you know, okay, Ronaldo, take it, see what you can do, kind of thing. You need to have some kind of game plan that that involves the rest of the team. You can't be relying on one player. It's just it's not it's not a recipe for success. Jerry, I want to give you a chance to weigh in on Ronaldo and you think uh, moving on as soon as possible could be the right thing for everyone. Fuck him. Sell him. (laughs) Fuck that piece of shit. (laughs) Fucking ignorant motherfucker. I hate him. (laughs) Yeah, I fucking hate him. Burn. Sick burn. That's all I hate. That's all I got. He's not making them... Can't say... You know what? Yeah, he's not making them better. I'm sorry. I, I get that your stat, he has the goal contribution. That's fine. But it, it's what is – okay, fine. He scores 47% of their goals. Mm-hmm. But how are the goals being scored? Like that, it, It's not like – it's ruining their overall game. I was just going to say, Jerry, that, what you're trying to say, he's making them one-dimensional. Yeah. No. Yes. That, that's, that's, that's the perfect word. And I don't see Juventus that scary – team that you're, you're so scared to play tomorrow because they have all these weapons in the lineup mm-hmm. and they're going to really attack you. I think this team has a lot of quality in it. I think a lot of people who think that Juventus is on a decline, I don't think so. Personally, I think they're 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 building towards the, the next decade of, of, of being good again. Every team has to go through their, their downs to go on their highs again. Yeah. You got Kulazovski, you got Chiesa, um, the back end, Demerol, you got Matthias Delit, two quality defenders who, who can really take the, the torch from Bonucci and Kalini. Um, I know you don't, well, Quadrado's probably basically out of the equation, but they want to renew his contract. I don't know why, but. Um, Another story. That's a whole, that's a whole different story, but. Um, yeah, there's just pieces there. I, I think I agree. The, the biggest downfall to this team is that they haven't signed a midfielder. And I mean like a a quality midfielder who can move the ball. Like a guy mm-hmm. like Barella and Savage would be perfect for this team. They yeah. need a guy like that who has the ability to to be effective at both ends of the pitch. Um I think if you took out Barella or Savage out of Lazio or Inter. They're not as effective as they are right now. Seriously, uh, I know that Lukaku is probably, has been tremendous this year, but let me tell me how how has Lukaku been so effective? Because Barella has the ability to move the ball forward on counterattacks. Um, he he he's very decisive. He's very quick. His dribbling skills is is impressive. Mm-hmm. And compare from last season to this season. He, he's matured. He's allowed to evolve his game. And him doing that has allowed to enter to be better overall. And like you said, you said that everyone's trying to play towards Ronaldo, where Barella is not trying to play towards Barella. 
Barella is trying to play towards every player on the team to make them all better. Exactly. Which, which I feel, side topic, he should be the next captain of Inter, and apparently has been reported specifically, but that hasn't been confirmed. But back to all the same, that, that's how you make your team better. Um, when you see Ronaldo play, throughout his whole career, the guy never tracks back to help the defense. The guy never tries to make that key pass in order for his teammates to score. He doesn't do the extra. He's always played around good, great players yeah. that has made him better and allowed him to score. Now, all of a sudden, he's playing on an average Juventus team right now. Mm-hmm. And, and look how pissed off he is. And look how irrelevant he is. I, I, I would sell him. I seriously would sell him for whatever you can. Get the wages off the book. And you need to bring in that midfield first. Yeah. Well, look That's- at that midfield he had at Real. Like that was one of the greatest, most creative, <laughs> the best in the world. Right. Man. Like so it, night and day compared to this this current midfield we're we're fielding. So yes, a midfield will help. But then again, I don't know how many midfielders you can sign when you have someone on the books for sixty million a year. So you have to give to take kind of thing. You're right. You're right. But what, did it make sense to sign Kulaveski and? Kiesa, who played both the same position, when you could have probably signed a midfielder for that kind of money, or you could have invested. I, and I'm not saying that it was, it's a bad decision. It's it. You got two players that are good, but you can only play one or the other, right? Yeah. So but, unless unless one of them starts playing on the left, you know they're both still young. You know you try to adapt one of them to play more left, more central. Who knows? But I agree with you. You you should probably on one of them. Um, you should have looked towards, you know, putting it towards the, an actual central midfielder. It's, that I can't answer. I don't know why they did it. Only they know why. So, well, I mean, yeah. they spent like sixty something million or seventy on Arthur. So I'm sure they've probably had faith in in him and his. Yeah, his, his injury like, hasn't been, helped, but him like he he's been decent and his injury hasn't helped us. But then again, you can't rely on just one midfielder. Like you said, you got to have a good. A good duo, a good you know, three of them that that can work well together and complement each other's characteristics. So, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you don't know too. I don't know too many teams other than like teams like Real Madrid, probably who have three. Um, normally, it's two, at least two good quality midfielders. And Inter is not. I mean, sorry, Juventus is not even near that. That's the scary part. And in a time where the pandemic now has really shifted of how teams approach the transfer market, mm-hmm. it could be another summer of Juventus not basically fulfilling the needs of what they really need, what, what, what the team needs. And the fact that they have taken a big financial loss again yeah. this year, like I don't, people will say that Juventus is the big team. This doesn't really hurt them. They got money. I, I don't buy that, man. Like they, they've been able to be, very well off because they've never had to go into their own pockets to spend money. And I'm just curious if they take these losses consistently, will Juventus decide that we're going to go into our pockets and now start spending elsewhere? Like uh, their, their sponsorships have been able to help them. The sponsorships are huge, but then again, it, it goes for Juve and I guess for almost every team in, in all the football, even Syria, it depends who's going to be, you know, what money you have coming in from players going out and who you can spend it on. So I think everyone's kind of financially strained with the whole pandemic. It, it, it's going to come down to who's in and who's out. No, you're right. But when you're, when you got into Roma, 
Um, Juventus losing upwards of even Milan, 200 million, say, mm-hmm. compared to like Napoli or Lazio losing like 15 million. It's a big difference, man. I don't yeah. care if you're a big club. The, and then here's another point that Carlos said on his pod that I really liked, and I'll, I'll say it here is that you're not going to see the same football anymore where these dominant teams were able to take advantage of leagues. All these big clubs are have will need to adjust this summer. I really do believe that you're not going to see the the Juventus of the Juventus anymore, the Inters of the Inter anymore. All these big clubs will have to like have a new strategy and understand that you no longer can buy an eighty million dollar player like you used to. Mm-hmm. Like that that doesn't exist anymore, and the approach has to shift. So one more thing I want to go over real quick, and then I've got to cut the cake for my son's birthday party. Shout out to Luca, who uh, he actually turned three yesterday, but we got my uh, my mother-in-law over to, to help us uh, celebrate with a little party at home today. Uh, I want to say thanks uh, to the shout out here from Eric. We did talk uh, extensively about Erickson earlier in the episode. So if you just hopped in a few minutes ago, I recommend you check out the replay. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say... We, we were singing his praises. I mean, even though you're not getting a ton of direct goal contributions from Erickson, although he did do a great job to play uh, Lautaro Open in the Milan Derby last week, um, he, he's been tremendous. He's reached an understanding with Conte. He's uh, reached a lot better chemistry on the pitch with the likes of Brozovic because I thought a few months ago the two of them just could not play together. Um, off the pitch, he seems happy. As Sharma mentioned, the hair's coming back a little bit. The hairline is filling out. Uh, he's learning Italian. He's actually smiling. And um, this is, uh, it, it turns out, the best uh, midfield trio for Inter this season is the one we're seeing right now with Ericsson, Brozovic, and Barella. And, uh, you know, Vidal, uh, it's, it's, it's going to take, uh, take a bit for him to, to really play himself back into Conte's good graces. But the last thing, guys, I want to do before we close it out. Now, this is, this is a segment where we all might sound incredibly stupid to those who listen later to the replay, but real quick is we're about an hour away from kickoff between Roma and Milan predictions. I'm going to go one, one, not sure who the Roma's goal scorer is going to be, but I am going to say San Ramos Latan is going to score today because he, he wants to shove it in everyone's face. Who's saying, Oh, how's this guy going to a music festival? So I, I think Zlatan is going to score today, but I think they'll share the points. Sharma, what do you think? Yeah, I think because of the injuries of the back for Roma, they're missing. They're pretty much their starting lineup um, at the back. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory for Milan. And yeah, as you said, things Latin, just to shut up the haters and the, all that LeBron drama that went on this week as well. That's right. <laughs> well, what do you think, Lucci? Uh, I'm going to say 2-2. I'm going to say Zlatan with both and Jekyll and maybe Mkhitaryan for Roma. Jekyll's out two weeks. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, then I'll go uh, Mkhitaryan and, you know what, give give Bora Meral a, a shout. It's a good he's, shout. He's been okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jerry? I have done zero research to the shit game. Two <laughs> shit teams, okay? I'll just tell you right now. You got Roma, who can't beat a top nine team, like I said earlier. And then you got Milan, who looks like a mid-table team in recent time with their form and having not looked good. They didn't look good against Belgrade uh, on Thursday. Um, I don't know how this the short rest is really affecting them. They just don't, they don't look like the same team. So I'm going to go with Roma, okay? I'm going to go with Roma for a reason because Milan doesn't look like a top seven team, and Roma can beat the non-top seven teams. So 
I'm going to go 2-1 Roma, and I don't give a shit who wins this game. Personally, I would care less. I would like to see a draw. That's what I want to see. I want to see a draw in this game, but I'll go with Roma 2-1. And um, I, I just think that both teams have overachieved this year. And the last time these two teams played, I think uh, Milan were on the downfall and were very unfortunate of a poor call. If I remember the poor officiating and then the referee got suspended, but um, I don't know. I, you never know what to predict with Roma. That's the problem. They can mm-hmm. have they, they they have the potential to be a very good team. They just don't know how to play against the top teams. That's your fan going for Roma, Minkia. Hey, <laughs> hey, you, hey, listen, you Mingata. Listen to me, you fucking Mingata. Call okay. him a chute, Jerry. Okay, I'm the I'm the biggest fucking mush that you ever learn. Okay, or me? Sorry, fucking. I, I personally, I hope. What I hope is, I hope. I actually don't hope it. I can't say it, but um, a, a tie would be nice. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll close it out on that note. Hey, make sure you guys are ordering at Manscape.com. You can yeah. get the perfect package. You can get the lawnmower 3.0. 20% off. Shave that bush the right way, man. 20% off you and free shipping using our code Calcho at checkout. C-A-L-C-I-O. You want to hear what I did the other day with my Manscaped? What is you, oh, God. I don't know if I want to hear this. What, what did you, I, so, I, 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 Do I dare ask? What did you do? So I decided to, to have a Nutella sandwich in one hand and Manscaped with the other hand in my shower. It was the best fucking feeling. In your so, shower? Yeah, in my shower, man. I mean, I don't know if you should, I wouldn't advise taking Nutella in the shower, but Manscaped, yeah. yes. Manscaped is water resistant, the lawnmower 3.0. So you could take that in the shower. I, I thought Conte might have Manscaped his wig today. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't the best cut. But he, he did something to that wig. Do you think that, like, if Conte goes into the barbershop, do you think that he keeps the wig on or does he have someone like cut the wig when it's on the night table and then he just puts it on in the morning? <laughs> These are the things that I always wonder, man. So make sure you use our code Calcio, C-A-L-C-I-O at manscaped.com and get 20% off in free shipping at checkout. Uh, we'll, we'll say a huge thanks to everyone. Uncle Sharma, of course, you are prolific on the YouTubes, sir. Where can people Where can people find you? Uh, yes, Uncle Sharma on YouTube and R Shams on uh, Twitter. And yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. Very enjoyable. Good to uh, speak with um, a Juve fan as well. And uh, a huge, huge shout out there to uh, to Muhammad, who's listening at two fifty in the freaking morning. I I, I haven't stayed up that late in in years. We we appreciate that, uh, Mr. Lucci. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Daniele Luch, Daniel Lucci. Um, a lot of my articles are at uh, Vecchia Signora blog, uh, Max Statman, or uh, UV Extra. And uh, yeah, I'll reach out for sure. What about you, Jerry? What are you working on these days? Um, I'm trying to figure out how Conte, who's the highest paid manager in City, uh, can't afford a freaking haircut. But other than that, um, hey man, he's he's actually the cheapest coach in the, in Serie A. He doesn't even get paid. He doesn't even get his salary. Spalletti's <laughs> <laughs> getting paid, and Conte's not. They're they're they're, they're paying Sp- they're paying Spalletti's payments on time, but not Conte. So we need to change, we need to change that narrative. <laughs> or or Spalletti needs to Venmo Conte some money for a haircut because you know Spalletti's not using the haircut money, so he can just send send that send those euros right over. Oh man. <laughs> So and make sure everybody follows Jerry on Twitter at jmancini8. 
Make sure you follow me at Alex Dono. Make sure you follow the show at CalchoConPod on Twitter. We, we might do an Instagram page eventually, but J- Jerry hates Instagram. Jerry, will you run the Instagram page if I make it? I fucking hate it, man. I, I, I hate Instagram with a passion. I call it fake life, man, because everybody puts happy moments, but they ever know, no one ever tells shows you the real the real side of what's going on. It's it's all bullshit, man. Freaking the, the last picture I actually put on freaking Instagram was Sergey Malinkovic-Savage from last year, man. I stopped putting pictures of my family. I was like, fuck this, man. Yeah. Especially Fair if it's – and I made it private because uh, I didn't realize, like, if you're public, people see what's going on in your life. It's like – well, that's oh, the idea, though. Like, yeah. like most most like people that. most people post what they want people to see. J- Jerry seems to think I've got to post on my Instagram, but I don't want anyone to see this shit. So I'm going to make it like I I don't really understand why you have an Instagram if you don't want people to see it. Oh, I have it for my wife so she can see like other people's freaking accounts. She she follows uh, she follows all the Lazio players on my Instagram. That's cool. Um, Your wife knows ball. I've noticed. Like she she really she she's really good. Like she knows this shit. Yeah, she uh, maybe get her on here instead of Jerry. Yeah, <laughs> be on time. <laughs> yeah, every yeah, time she... we've done one of these lives, like Jerry strolls in like five minutes past the showtime. I, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, I was writing an article, I completely got sidetracked, man. That's why <laughs> I was writing about how Nicola Barella needs to be the captain of Inter. So right, I, I was actually pretty excited about it. But, oh, man. Uh, well, great, great stuff as always. Make sure you guys uh, check out our YouTube channel, uh, Calcho Connection. Make sure uh, you uh, the audio pods are also very useful. You're on the go. You're driving around. I, I listen to pods all the time in my car through the Bluetooth. So you can find us at any of the podcast channels, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods, Podbean. Just search Calcho Connection. will come right up. We will talk to you guys next time. Uh, we want to do uh, maybe at least one more of these two more of these uh in in the coming week so we'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the calcio connection podcast ciao